you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And if you uh, didn't bring a Bible this morning, you'll probably find one on the seat in front of you. The reddish-colored book is a Bible. Uh, you can turn there to Second Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Last week, we started uh, the first message in a longer series, which is comprised of some short segments. So we're looking, in general, at the keys of spiritual development. What kinds of things has God given us, what methods, what means has God given us to develop and grow spiritually, to become mature in Christ? And uh, there are a number of things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the Scripture, we're going to be talking about prayer, uh, we're going to be talking about fellowship and worship and those kinds of things. Uh, and so this morning, uh, I want to continue with the theme of the Bible and looking at the Scripture as part of the means that God has given us for growth. And last week, looking at 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God. We focused on that phrase, and we saw how it is essential to believe The Word of God. If it's going to be a source of truth, you have to believe in the accuracy and truthfulness of your source, your reference point, right? Uh, You probably, uh, you know, in our case, would not uh, choose to consult Encyclopedia Britannica from 1952 as a source of contemporary commentary on physics, because a lot has changed in that period of time. Well, even more than that, if you had a a reference that was found to be completely faulty, you'd have no confidence in it. So you have to believe that the source has truthfulness, that it's going to tell you the truth. That's the first part, and that's what we looked at last week. But we also, being the people that we are, uh, need to, to understand that there is also benefit to be gained by making the investment. Very few people are willing to give their time and attention to something they believe has no value. you agree with me? You have to see that something is important, that it has value. And so this morning, uh, I want to look at the next word in our text. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. It's profitable. And Paul goes on to explain specifically in this context uh, the ways in which it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. It's profitable for those things, but by extrapolation, if we look at those things, the Word of God is actually profitable for success in life because those things... Proper teaching, uh, the Holy Spirit bringing correction in our life, uh, reproof, development, maturity, all of those kinds of things lead us toward a life that is successful. And you may be surprised to learn, because I think sometimes we have a little jinxed thinking along these lines, but you may be surprised to learn that God wants you to be successful. He desires your success. 
In fact, if you look at Roman numeral 1, I looked up a number of words that we find in the Bible that have to do with the subject of success. And these words, I've just given you a few of them, profitable, successful, satisfied and contented, great gain, wise and full of understanding, strong and mature, unshakable and immovable, blessed and greatly rewarded, respected and influential. Wouldn't you agree that the words that I've listed there are the kinds of attributes that most people desire in their lives? Uh, Even if not all of them, at least some of them. Most people uh, would really like to be uh, strong and stable and unshakable when the storms of life assail them. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, you want to be able to stand the test. You want to be able to weather the storms of life without it uh, just ripping you apart and, and leaving you in a heap on the side of the road. You want to be able to move through those things. Wouldn't you love to, to have your family and your friends uh, seek you out because they recognize you as a wise person who gives good counsel? You know, uh, I, I can go to this person, and I can count on them uh, to give me wise counsel. Even if I don't agree with them, they're going to make me think, and they're going to bring some things to mind that I I need to be mindful of. Wouldn't you like to be that kind of person? To be a person who is genuinely successful, and whose life has had influence and meaning and impact. You know, every human being desires that at some level. And this is not something that God is opposed to. We get so much negative stuff, you know, today sometimes, especially uh, in the fundamentalist camp. You know, we have such reaction to, to talking about success. But the Bible is not opposed to success. The question is, what kind of success? And you're all familiar with the bumper sticker, you know, that you see sometimes on the back of a car. The one who dies with the most toys wins. Well, ask that person just after they die. And they have stood before God if they still want that bumper sticker. Probably they're not going to find that very meaningful. In fact, they're going to lose interest in that before they die if they have time to think about it. Because as you get older and life moves towards its conclusion on this planet, you have a tendency to reflect and look back over life. And if you've invested your whole life in the accumulation of things, Sometimes at great price, and I don't mean just money, sometimes at the sacrifice of family, sometimes at the sacrifice of friendships, and you look at the pile of toys that you've accumulated, however you count your toys, and you look at the way you've spent your life, most people are not pleased with that outcome. You've heard the saying that, Uh, They have never heard of anyone who on their deathbed said, 
I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You know? That's not the kind of thing that most people think about when they move toward the end. We come to recognize that family is important. We come to recognize that friendships are important. We begin to to realize that knowing God is important. We want to come to the end of days and look back on the quality of our lives and say, I have lived well. I have done what I was supposed to do. I have run my race with diligence. And I have finished well. And as Paul said, there's a crown laid up for me and I'm going to hear from Jesus Himself, well done, my good and faithful servant. You see, God is not opposed to success, but He defines it in genuine eternal terms. Not in terms of the temporary or the uh, fleshly gratification. John says in his first letter, the world and all of its desires is passing away. But the one who does the will of the Father is the one who abides forever. God is interested in our success, but He's interested in the kind of success that brings real joy, real peace, real satisfaction, real contentment, so that when we come to the end of days, however long that is, we look back and say, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with my life. And I'm at peace with God. Now, I'm not going to look up any of these verses of Scripture with you here this morning. In fact, I have prepared a totally unusual kind of study guide for speed preaching. I have more Scripture references in today's study guide than I've ever had at any other time. And that's because I want you to do something very special with this. I want you to to make this, particularly if you don't already have a method or, or a plan that you're following for getting into the Scriptures and reading and studying the Bible, um, I, I want you to be able to take this home, and I think it'll take about a month if you do what I'm suggesting. So you've got, you've got Bible study for a month here. Take it home and begin to look up these Scripture passages. In fact, the, word, the ones I've given you are just a small selection of the passages that relate to that word and relate to the Scriptures. In other words, how does the knowledge of Scripture become profitable in my life? How does the knowledge of Scripture give me satisfaction and contentment? How does the word relate to these words? And for every section this morning, I'm going to be just quoting some Scripture to you and sharing concepts, and I want you to take this home and use it as a guide for self-study over the next several weeks so that you can kind of let the Word already begin to speak to you. You know, if I tell you this morning that the Scriptures are going to give you a foundation for success and, and joy and blessing in your life, well, that's what I say, but go read it for yourself and study it for yourself. You know, the second thing that I want to highlight this morning is Studying the Bible is not just an end in itself. Many people, particularly those of us that pride ourselves in being evangelicals, uh, we like to talk about being committed to the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, being invested in the Scriptures. 
Uh, we lift up the Word of God as being significant as it is. And the people go to seminary and earn master's degrees and doctorates to be able to explain it and teach it. And many, many times, all they are actually doing is accumulating knowledge and facts about the Bible. And knowledge and facts about God and theology. And if that's what you want to do, it will help you if your goal in life is to win at Bible trivia. But if you have a little deeper goal than that, if your desire in life is to come to know the living God, just assimilating Bible facts is not going to give you a personal knowledge of God Himself. And yet, the purpose of the Bible is not to educate us only. It's to lead us into a deeper relationship and understanding of the living God. I want you to look at what Moses says in Exodus when he's having this conversation with God. You remember when um, the, the Israelites... Uh, we're going through their stuff. They'd already gotten out in the wilderness and Moses has gone up to get the law. And Aaron uh, got tired of waiting and some of the people came around and they ended up making this golden calf. And this the, the whole camp of Israel started falling apart while Moses is up. And God says, you ought to see what they're doing down there. I, I'm just ready to wipe them all out. And so Moses gets into this conversation, and this is the setting for this in Exodus 33, verse 13. If you are pleased with me, Moses says, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And then he gets to his other point. Remember that this nation is your people. But see what Moses says. Teach me your ways that I may know you. In other words, Moses' desire was not to accumulate factual information about God. His desire was to know personally the living God. And in order to do that, you have to understand his character. Look at what David says in Psalm 25. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. This is in the margin of your study guide if you're wondering where I'm coming from. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in the truth. Teach me, for you are my God and Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. Psalm 119, verse 24. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Now, you know, the thing about David... When you look at his life, David was not exactly the consummate bureaucrat. He would not have been a good candidate uh, for a legalist or a Pharisee. Uh, he did not like rules for rules' sake. You know, some people do. Some people love systems. Uh, their mindset is they enjoy the rules. They like how things work together like uh, cogs in a machine, and, and they get delighted in, in, in just how the rules work. That is not David. You know, if you read his life story, 
um, he has a totally different mindset and a different set of aptitudes. He is saying not that he loves the law of God because he likes memorizing rules. He's saying, I love your law because it teaches me about you. I want to know you, God. I want to get to know you. And it is through the Scriptures that we come to know the character of God, the passions of God, the heartbeat of God, the the motivations of God, the goal that God has. It's through the Scripture that we get to know Him intimately as He interacts with us in His Word. And, And David said, that's my desire. In fact, if you think of all the great people of the Bible that really stand out, They were people who were people of the book. They were people of the Word. Maybe not in the way that we are. I'm not suggesting they had a leather-bound Old and New Testament. In fact, no one in the Bible had a New Testament. It was in the process of writing. that They read four chapters a day or whatever the formula is. But what I'm suggesting to you is they were people who pursued God, but their desire and motivation in life was not to be successful or great in some other way, their passion was to know the living God, and it was through the Word that they came to know Him. Think about Paul, who is celebrated as the most effective missionary in the New Testament era. I mean, he started more churches, he went more places in the Roman Empire, he wrote more Scripture in the New Testament than any other biblical writer, and, and, and do you think that Paul, when he was converted, said to himself, I'm going to be the greatest Christian that ever lived. I'm going to write more scriptures, start more churches, and visit more places in the Roman Empire than any other missionary. No, he tells us what his driving passion was. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know you, Lord. Everything that I have accomplished in my life to date, I count as a pile of rubbish. It's just a garbage heap. It means no more to me than that, save for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. I want to be conformed to the image of your death. I want to know you. That's my drive. David was a man after God's own heart. I want to know you, O God. And it was because of that passion that God blessed their lives with all of those other accomplishments. David, the greatest king of Israel. Paul, the greatest missionary of the New Testament. And whoever you and I may become by the end of our days, the influence and impact that we have made on this world will be most significant if our true motivation is to know the living God and we become students of His Word in order to know Him. That I can know your ways, O Lord. Every one of the benefits that we gain as a result of knowing God and His ways comes through a study of His Word. Notice what 
Paul says in Timothy in our very text, the man of God is adequate and equipped for every good work. David says, it fortifies us against sin. Your word, O Lord, I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, that's one of the greatest benefits of our Awana ministry. Children are most vulnerable, but they're also at an age when they can learn the easiest and memorize the, the quickest. Children can assimilate vast numbers of verses, as we saw at our Awana Awards night not long ago. Hundreds, and some of them more than a thousand. They can assimilate vast quantities of Scripture, building it into their life. And my conviction has always been that if you can build the Word of God into the life of a child, it will be available to the Holy Spirit when you're not. When they're out there by themselves and temptation presents itself, the Holy Spirit has the Word of God to bring up to them as a reminder of what is right. And as you build the Word of God into your life, He has the Scripture available to counsel and guide you. And He does so through His Word. Think of how Jesus answered the devil in the temptation in the wilderness every time. Do you think he said, well, I think every single time he was confronted with those temptations, he responded, it is written. It is written. He quoted the scriptures to Satan as a way of dealing with him. Paul says that the armor of God consists, among other things, of the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. It's in the Word of God that we mature. John tells us there are spiritual children, there are spiritual adolescents, young men, there are spiritual adults. What happens on the way to maturity, on the way to adulthood? You pass, you're born again, you become a child, you move through adolescence and you grow up. What is it that characterizes the adolescent stage of spiritual development? John says in chapter 2, you are strong. And the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. That's the young person in Christ. That's not the old saint. That's the youngster in Christ. You're strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. Where does that leave you in your spiritual development along the way? We are transformed to God's perspective on life because we have exposed ourselves to His Word. Paul says to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God says, I don't think like you think. My ways are not your ways. My ways are as high above your ways as the heavens are above the earth. Do not lean on your own understanding, but all of your ways acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so God makes it plain that His way of thinking is not like us. And we need ours changed. And how is it that ours becomes changed? It becomes changed through the Word of God as we encounter our culture with the revelation of Scripture and we test what's out there with what we read in here and the Holy Spirit begins to develop that in our lives as a new way of thinking. What is valuable? What is significant? 
What does count? What makes a difference? How should I invest my time? Where should I put my money? How should I live my life? Whom should I marry? How should I raise my kids? What should I do with my life? All of those things are vastly different from the way the world views that perspective. Knowing God through His Word by the Holy Spirit. You know, what I've been talking about this morning is not going to happen by accident. Now, I'm not going to give you a specific method this morning that you can go home and put into practice this very week to build the Bible into your life. Do you know why I'm not going to do that? Because some of you will go home and you will be very successful at it. And you will come back next week hoping for a gold star. And others of you will go home and fall flat on your face because it just isn't you. And you will come back next week having already given up because you're frustrated. You know, legalism always works that way. If I give you ten ways to assimilate the Scripture in your life, those of you that are very good at rule-keeping are going to turn into little Pharisees. And those of you that are not are going to get discouraged. And you're going to just want to stop altogether. In fact, you already may be paralyzed because... Every method you were ever ever given has failed for you. Listen, you're unique. That's what walking by the Spirit means. The Holy Spirit knows what you need in your life. He knows how to guide you. If you're not sure what to do, ask Him. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're going to grow up in Christ and become spiritually mature and experience the things that I've been talking about this morning... You need to be reading the Scriptures. You need to be reading the Bible. Furthermore, you need to be allowing the words of the Scriptures to embed themselves in your heart. Some people can do that by rote memory. Some people do that by writing verses on a 3 by 5 card and sticking it in their pocket or purse. Other people have other ways. When I was a child, I could memorize Scripture very easily. I have not been able to memorize that way as an adult. In fact, the classes in college that I did worst in were the ones that required me to memorize stuff and feed it back verbatim. I don't get it like that. I memorize things by spending time and coming to understand it. And by the time I've read something over and over and over and meditated on it for a while, it kind of gets in there, usually verbatim. But I have to go at it kind of from a different direction. But you need to have the Word of God built into your life. You need to do more than read and study. There are times when you need to sit down with pencil and paper and Bible and uh, get into the Scriptures and study. Study to show yourselves approved unto God. Workmen that do not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the Word of Truth. You don't have to have a bunch of commentaries to study the Scriptures. If you have 
simply a reference Bible. Do you know why they call it a reference Bible? Because it has references in it. And when you're reading down the text and you see a little letter, you go over here to the verse number and you'll find that little letter has some other verses beside it. And all the great Bible teachers of the last two centuries since these kinds of Bibles have come out have said the most effective way of studying the Scriptures is to let the Scriptures interpret the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit can put together His Word in such a way. What happened before people had all of the commentaries? And I have all kinds of books and Bibles and Greek and Hebrew on my iPad. But what happened before people had iPads? What happened before they had all of these means? In fact, many times they didn't even have the written word. They had to rely on communicating it orally. Cultures, whole cultures, communicate the Scriptures orally. Does that prohibit study? It does not. Because when you sit down and invite the Holy Spirit to be your teacher and you take His Word, a portion of it, and you bring it up before you, and you hold it before God and say, Lord, teach me Your ways. Explain to me Your Word. God will be faithful to do that. Who can better explain a book than the one who wrote it? And who can better explain the Scriptures than the Holy Spirit? And I want to make you a promise, because I can guarantee you this is absolutely true according to the Scriptures. If you come humbly before God with an open heart and an open attitude, and you say, Lord, I'm willing to change whatever you show me. I'm willing to learn whatever you teach me. My heart is hungry. I believe you speak truth to me through your Word. Teach me your ways. God, the Holy Spirit, will teach you. You'll get so excited and so thrilled about what He's showing you, you you will hardly be able to stop. You'll feel like you have the teacher himself sitting beside you. And you'll find that something you read three weeks ago suddenly pops into your mind and it's like, oh, I didn't see how that related. That's really cool. And Oh, and this one fits. And God begins to put together His teaching. Because He does that, and you will have fellowship with the living God. So, here's the beginning place. If you don't know where to start, take your study guide home. Sit before the Lord and ask Him to show you where to start. Dive in somewhere, wherever you feel is a good starting point. Start looking up some passages and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. And I've encouraged you in here to also read the book of Nehemiah and the book of Daniel. And I want you to read these two books a different way than you've ever read them before. I want you to read them with a view toward understanding the character of these two men. What was Daniel like? What did he do? What were his habits? How did he live? The reason I suggest that, and if you read through Daniel and keep a pen and paper close by and write down those insights, did you know that Daniel, there is not one negative word spoken about him in the Bible? Not one. You may find it interesting 
that of the great heroes, Abraham, David, and Moses, not in that order, they had their problems. Every time Abraham got in a jam, he was inclined to lie. Poor man. Moses needed anger management classes. David had several flaws and needed a lot of help, and yet he was a man after God's own heart, in, in the heart of hearts. But there's never a negative statement made about Daniel. And I don't think there's ever one made about Nehemiah. But I could be wrong, so why don't you read it and find out? And come back and tell me if I'm in error. Two men in Scripture about whom nothing negative is ever said. What were their lives like? There's plenty to think about. Allow God to speak to your heart and build His Word into your life. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for giving us a personal word from you that covers every necessary aspect of life. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will give us a hunger and thirst for its truths that we may know you. In Jesus' name, amen.